0: Chapter 20 of Diana of the Crossways. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Diana of the Crossways by George Meredith. Chapter 20 Diana A Night Watch in the Chamber of Death. He stepped into the room and thrilled to hear the quiet voice beside the bed. Who is it? Apologies and excuses were on his tongue. The vibration of those grave tones checked them. It is you, she said. She sat in shadow, her hands joined on her lap. An unopened book was under the lamp. He spoke in an under-breath i have just come i was not sure i should find you here pardon there is a chair he murmured thanks and entered into the stillness observing her you have been watching you must be tired no an hour was asked only one i could not leave him watchers are at hand to relieve you it is better for him to have me the chord of her voice told him of the gulf she had sunk in during the night the thought of her endurance became a burden he let fall his breath for patience and tapped the floor with his foot he feared to discompose her by speaking the silence grew more fearful as the very speech of death between them you came i thought it right to let you know instantly i hoped you would come to-morrow i could not delay you have been sitting alone here since eleven i have not found it long you must want some refreshment tea i need nothing it can be made ready in a few minutes i could not eat or drink he tried to brush away the impression of the tomb in the heavily curtained chamber by thinking of the summer morn outside he spoke of it the rosy sky the dewy grass the piping birds she listened as one hearing of a quitted sphere their breathing in common was just heard if either drew a deeper breath at moments his eyes wandered and shut alternately in his mind death had vaster meanings and doubtfuler life cowered under the shadow or outshone it he glanced from her to the figure in the bed and she seemed swallowed he said it is time for you to have rest you know your room i will stay till the servants are up she replied no let this night with him be mine i am not intruding if you wish to remain no traces of weeping were on her face the lampshade revealed it colourless and lustreless her eyes she was robed in black she held her hands clasped you have not suffered oh no she said it without sighing, nor was her speech mournful only brief you have seen death before i sat by my father four nights i was a girl then i cried till i had no more tears he felt a burning pressure behind his eyeballs death is natural he said it is natural to the aged when they die honoured she looked where the dead man lay to sit beside the young cut off from their dear opening life a little shudder swept over her oh that you were very good to come we must all thank you for fulfilling his wish he knew it would be my wish her hands pressed together he lies peacefully i have raised the lamp on him and wondered each time so changeless he lies but so like a sleep that will wake we never see peace but in the features of the dead will you look they are beautiful they have a heavenly sweetness the desire to look was evidently recurrent with her Dacier rose their eyes fell together on the dead man as thoughtfully as death allows to the creatures of sensation and after he said in low tones i trust to my maker she replied do you see a change since he breathed his last not any you were with him not in the room two minutes later who my father his niece lady Catharine." if our lives are lengthened we outlive most of those we would have to close our eyes he had a dear sister she died some years back i helped to comfort him for that loss he told me you did the lamp was replaced on the table for a moment when i withdraw the light from him i feel sadness as if the light we lend to anything were of value to him now she bowed her head deeply. Dacier left her meditation undisturbed. The birds on the walls outside were audible, tweeting, chirping. He went to the window curtains and tried the shutter bars. It seemed to him that daylight would be cheerfuller for her. He had a thirst to behold her standing bathed in daylight. Shall I open them? he asked her. I would rather the lamp, she said they sat silently until she drew her watch from her girdle my train starts at half-past six it is a walk of thirty-five minutes to the station i did it last night in that time you walked here in the dark alone there was no fly to be had the station-master sent one of his porters with me we had a talk on the road i like those men dacia read the hour by the mantelpiece clock if you must really go by the early train i will drive you no i will walk i prefer it i will order your breakfast at once he turned on his heel she stopped him no i have no taste for eating or drinking pray said he in visible distress she shook her head i could not i have twenty minutes longer i can find my way to the station it is almost a straight road out of the park gates his heart swelled with anger at the household for the treatment she had been subjected to judging by her resolve not to break bread in the house they resumed their silent sitting the intervals for a word to pass between them were long and the ticking of the timepiece fronting the death-bed ruled the chamber scarcely varied the lamp was raised for the final look the leave-taking dacier buried his face thinking many things the common multitude in insurrection a servant should be told to come now she said i have only to put on my bonnet and i am ready you will take no nothing it is not too late for a carriage to be ordered no the walk they separated he roused the two women in the dressing-room, asleep with heads against the wall. Thence he sped to his own room for hat and overcoat and a sprinkle of cold water. Descending the stairs he beheld his companion issuing from the chamber of death. Her lips were shut, her eyelids nervously tremulous. They were soon in the warm, sweet open air, and they walked without an interchange of a syllable through the park, into the white hawthorn lane, glad to breathe her nostrils took long draughts of air but of the change of scene she appeared scarcely sensible at the park gates she said there is no necessity for your coming his answer was i think of myself i gain something every step i walk with you to-day is thursday said she the funeral is monday has been fixed according to his directions he will lie in the churchyard of his village not in the family vault i know she said hastily they are privileged to follow him and see the coffin lowered he spoke of this quiet little resting-place yes it's a good end i do not wonder at his wish for the honour you have done him i could wish it too but more living than dead that is a natural wish it is not to be called an honour i should feel it so an honour to me it is a friend's duty the word is too harsh it was his friend's desire he did not ask it so much as he sanctioned it for to him what has my sitting beside him been he had the prospective happiness he knew well that my soul would be with him as it was last night but he knew it would be my poor human happiness to see him with my eyes touch him with my hand before he passed from our sight dacier exclaimed how you can love is the village church to be seen she asked to the right of those elms that is the spire the black spot below is a yew. you love with the whole heart when you love i love my friends she replied you tempt me to envy those who are numbered among them they are not many they should be grateful you have some acquaintance with them all and an enemy have you ever one do you know of one direct and personal designedly i think not we give that title to those who are disinclined to us and add a dash of darker colour to our errors foxes have enemies in the dogs heroines of melodramas have their persecuting villains i suppose that conditions of life exist where one meets the original complexities the bad are in every rank the inveterately malignant i have not found circumstances may combine to make a whisper as deadly as a blow though not of such evil design perhaps if we lived at a court of a magnificent despot we should learn that we are less highly civilised than we imagine ourselves but that is a fire to the passions and the extreme is not the perfect test our civilization counts positive gains unless you take the melodrama for the truer picture of us it is always the most popular with the english and look what a month june is yesterday morning i was with lady dunstane on her heights and i feel double the age he was fond of this wild country we think it a desert a blank whither he has gone because we will strain to see in the utter dark and nothing can come of that but the bursting of the eyeballs dacier assented there's no use in peering beyond the limits no said she the effect is like the explaining of things to a dull head the finishing stroke to the understanding better continue to brood we get to some unravelment if we are left to our own efforts i quarrel with no priest of any denomination that they should quarrel among themselves is comprehensible in their wisdom for each has the specific but they show us their way of solving the great problem and we ought to thank them though one or the other abominate us you are advised to talk with lady dunstane on these themes she is perpetually in the antechamber of death and her soul is perennially sunshine see the pretty cottage under the laburnum curls who lives there his gamekeeper simon rofe and what a playground for the children that bit of common by their garden palings and the pond and the blue hills over the furzes i hope those people will not be turned out dacier could not tell he promised to do his best for them but said she you are not the lord here now not likely to be the tenant incomes are wanted to support even small estates the reason is good for courting the income he disliked the remark and when she said presently those windmills make the landscape homely he rejoined they remind one of our wheeling london gammons round the cab from the station they remind you said she and smiled at the chance discordant trick he had remembering occasions when it had crossed her this is homelier than rovio she said quite as nice in its way you do not gather flowers here because my friend has these at her feet may one petition without a rival then for a souvenir certainly if you care to have a common buttercup they reached the station five minutes in advance of the train his coming manoeuvre was early detected and she drew from her pocket the little book he had seen lying unopened on the table and said i shall have two good hours for reading you will not object i must accompany you to town permitted i beg you shall not be worried to talk no i came alone and return alone fasting and unprotected are you determined to take away the worst impression of us do not refuse me this favour as to fasting i could not eat and unprotected no woman is in england if she is a third-class traveller that is my experience of the class and i shall return among my natural protectors the most unselfishly chivalrous to women in the whole world he had set his heart on going with her and he attempted eloquence in pleading but that exposed him to her humour he was tripped it is not denied that you belong to the knightly class she said and it is not necessary that you should wear armour and plumes to proclaim it and your appearance would be ample protection from the drunken sailors travelling you say on this line and i may be deplorably mistaken in imagining that i could tame them but your knightliness is due elsewhere and i commit myself to the fortune of war it is a battle for women everywhere under the most favourable conditions among my dear common english i have not my maid with me or else i should not dare she paid for a third-class ticket amused by dacier's look of entreaty and trouble of course i obey he murmured I had the habit of exacting it in matters concerning my independence, she said, and it arrested some rumbling notions in his head as to a piece of audacity on the starting of the train. They walked up and down the platform till the bell rang, and the train came rounding beneath an arch. Oh, by the way, may I ask, he said, was it your article in Whitman B's journal on a speech of mine last week? The guilty writer is confessed. Let me thank you. Don't but try to believe it written on public grounds if the task is not too great i may call you will be welcome to tell you of the funeral the last of him do not fail to come she could have laughed to see him jumping on the steps of the third-class carriages one after another to choose her company for her in those pre-democratic blissful days before the miry deluge the opinion of the requirements of poor english travellers entertained by the seigneur directors of the class above them was that they differed from cattle in stipulating for seats with the exception of that provision to suit their weakness the accommodation extended to them resembled pens and the seats were emphatically seats of penitence intended to grind the sitter for his mean pittance payment an absence of aspiration to a higher state hard angular wood a low roof a shabby square of window aloof demanding of him to quit the seat he insisted on having if he would indulge in views of the passing scenery such was the furniture of dens where a refinement of castigation was practised on villain poverty by denying leathers to the windows or else buttons to the leathers so that the windows had either to be up or down but refused to shelter and freshen simultaneously dacier selected a compartment occupied by two old women a mother and babe and little maid and a labouring man there he installed her with an eager look that she would not notice you will want the window down he said she applied to her fellow-travellers for the permission and struggling to get the window down he was irritated to animadvert on these carriages of the benevolent railway company do not forget that the wealthy are well treated or you may be unjust said she to pacify him his mouth sharpened its line while he tried arts and energies on the refractory window she told him to leave it you can't breathe this atmosphere he cried and called to a porter who did the work remarking that it was rather stiff the door was banged and fastened dacier had to hang on the step to see her in the farewell from the platform he saw the top of her bonnet and why she should have been guilty of this freak of riding in an unwholesome carriage tasked his power of guessing he was too english even to have taken the explanation for he detested the distinguishing of the races in his country and could not therefore have comprehended her peculiar tenacity of the sense of injury as long as enthusiasm did not arise to obliterate it he required a course of lessons in irish sauntering down the lane he called at simon roefe's cottage and spoke very kindly to the gamekeeper's wife that might please diana it was all he could do at present. End of chapter 20